Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Kids got back to school again? Yeah, it's been a fun week. <laughs> His two boys, right? Yeah, remember. the older one started high school. We've Did already got the call that he's missed class. You couldn't find it. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just couldn't find the class. He just couldn't find the class. And he didn't want to ask. He yes. just... And of course he was freaked out that they would know and they would call his parents. And uh, yeah. So that was a good start. That yeah. Was a good start. <laughs> yeah. You're being watched, kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they think or high school, right? Yeah. A little scared. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. No. It's a little, a little pressure underneath yeah. them. We're good? Okay. We're getting the thumbs up. Stopwatch. Okay. Here we go. So, possibility, you need an antibiotic, or you're looking for an answer to a quick medical question, maybe you need a referral to a specialist, um, maybe you're looking to book in an MRI. It's an honest look at your own health care, and that brings us to today's topic, and we're just going to be skimming the surface on this one. Exec Health, it's a health management company dedicated to providing world-class preventative health care services to incredibly busy people and families. Their goal is to proactively manage their client's health uh, within the current system, and then also to be able to have like this on-hands approach. They specialize in personal physician services, comprehensive health assessments, uh, diplomatic health, medical concierge services, and of course, all the applications of having specialists on board. So that brings us to our topic today in episode 32 of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. This podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing, and of course, for more information, you can always head to extensionmarketing.com. It is great to have the president of Exec Health joining us, Sanjay Shah. Great to have you here. Thanks, Leanne. I'm really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. There's so much information that we're going to be able to cover and to really help people with. And so just, I guess, the overall synopsis before we get going, can you kind of break down? I tried to do a little intro. <laughs> you did a great Yeah, job. exactly what Exec Health is. Sure. Uh, so Exec Health is a multidisciplinary medical clinic that focuses on proactively keeping people healthy. So, you know, currently, generally the way our system works is first you get sick, then you go to the doctor and you get treated. Our primary role with our clients is uh, making sure they don't get sick in the first place. Above and beyond that, we have a concierge medical practice, both uh, primary care, family doctors, and specialists that uh, provide what we think is a much higher level of care to uh, to uh, our clients. And um, we can get into it, but um, mm-hmm. there's certain processes that we put in place that uh, we feel provides our clients with a really great level of care. And I think when people are listening or, or wondering or asking these questions, I think the more educated they are, the more they're realizing that they'd like to be more on the preventative side of their health than of going to the doctor because they're sick. And I think that's the message that we're, we've been trying to kind of really get to people is what you can do, the preventative side and, and acknowledging what your base point is. Right. Uh, and, and that's something I think that's incredibly important to people. Your base point wasn't starting as president of Exec Health. This has been a long process and a long history within kind of the medical profession or with farmer care. So as I, I, there's always a story as to kind of how someone ends up where they're, where they're at. What was it for you? 
Well, you're right. I, uh, my entire career has been around the uh, medical field. Uh, I started off in uh, big big pharma. I was in Toronto at the time. And the long and short of it is that uh, my now wife gave me the ultimatum of moving back to Ottawa, which I'm born and raised in Ottawa, but uh, and I was happy to do so. But uh, I came to Ottawa and uh, I needed a job. <laughs> and uh, at that time, you know, we were uh, in a bit of a flux in terms of our, our medical system. And, um, and I took elements from the medical systems from around around the world. And I thought to myself that, uh, you know, can we make this work here? There was a concept of concierge medicine in the States. Australia had moved into a, um, uh, a dual system, both private, public, and, uh, and uh, I saw it as a challenge to see whether we could apply it here. From my perspective, <clears throat> uh, I you know, looking at it from a thousand foot view was that, you know, uh, doctors weren't happy. They were overworked. Uh, you know, the compensation was so, so, and I'm talking about primary care here, family mm-hmm. doctors, not specialists. And, um, so that side of the equation, doctors weren't that happy with the way things were going and patients weren't happy. You know, they were, uh, they seemingly weren't getting the level of care they wanted, having trouble getting into appointments. And so, uh, I sort of set out to, to solve a problem that existed. Bella, your wife is a physician. She... Yeah, I got firsthand view on what it's like. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, it, it, you you do have an understanding of what it's like to kind of be under this. You know, you've got appointments. Yeah. You know, from the start of day to the end of day. I mean, there's situations of being, wanting to be able to have more time with the client and, and a patient. I mean, you must have felt that too. From, from her and coming home at the end of the day. Absolutely. So um, you're right. My, my wife uh, is a family doctor and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, it, it was uh, on a daily basis. I could see what, uh, what she was going through. And most family doctors, in fact, 99.9% of family doctors are conscientious, want to do be- well by their patients, and they're really in medicine to take care of people. Mm -hmm. The problem is, from a process standpoint, is that uh, the system doesn't allow them to uh, take care of their patients to the best of their ability, whether it's the way they're compensated, um, you know, the volume of patients that are required to take on, um, just the system isn't set up for optimizing care. So how much went into understanding what was required or what doctors are doing on a daily basis and then trying to personalize it or do this concierge kind of system for it uh, so that you you saw that there was a business or a business plan because you had seen it done in other countries and, right. and in other systems, right? And one thing that I'm usually really proud of is being Canadian and Absolutely. especially when I was in school in the States and around a lot of my American friends was, you know, I was proud of what the Canadian government was able to do and that I could walk in uh, and go to the doctor or when I had my my children, I wasn't left with an incredible uh, bill. You know, like I had girlfriends who had babies in the States and they would be talking about the medical bills. And I was like, I walked in, I had an emergency C-section, Absolutely. I left and I never saw, I never saw a bill, right? Like there's, there's so many different sides to what our experiences are like. Absolutely. And it is one of the greatest things about this country is our uh, strong universal health care. And, and uh, this may sound counterintuitive, but you won't find a bigger proponent to a strong universal health care system than, than me. Uh, people don't believe it when I say it, but I absolutely believe that. And I experienced that uh, just recently. Uh, my mother passed last year, and she was at the Elizabeth Breer Hospital in palliative care long term. And quite frankly, the the, not just the uh, the financial burden that we were spared, but the emotional burden of uh, of it. Uh, you know, the system is fantastic, and uh, I think we don't take our system for. I think we do take our system for mm-hmm. granted uh, quite often, and we'd like to complain about it. Uh, but 
that uh, if you're sick, we have world-class physicians. I mean, guys like Mark Riel at the uh, Ottawa Heart Institute or the Ottawa Heart Institute as a whole mm-hmm. is, I mean, we, we had a client that... Um, it's world-renowned. I don't think people understand the, the type of work that's actually being done here in the city by our by Absolutely. Our yeah. And we attract really good people. I mean, people like that can choose the facility, whether it's a Mayo Clinic, uh, you know, they could choose any facility in the world and write their own ticket, but they choose to work here. And so that, I don't think we should lose sight of that. Having said that, mm-hmm. uh, I think, uh, you know, we need to continue to work on a solid, uh, solid universal healthcare system that everyone has access to. But there are some challenges. One of them is that we, um, you know, we're moving ahead technologically, uh, science is moving ahead at breakneck speed. And the question is, can we afford to sustain it? And what level will we sustain it at, right? And so uh, whether it's a CHEO lottery or uh, the Heart Institute Telethon, we're already needing to subsidize uh, this, uh, these institutions. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so uh, there's going to be, I think we as a society need to make sure everyone is taken care of at a certain baseline, but there's also um, uh, additional needs you know, out there. And we, do we really want uh, Canadians going to the States or Mexico or elsewhere to get care? Because we are, right? We are. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, I know that my mom couldn't get, you know, it took forever to get an MRI here. And the next thing you knew is I was driving her to Montreal because we could get an appointment and we were in the next day, right? So, you know, a lot of it is, do you, at some people, do you have the means to be able to provide right. and to have the additional care? And so I appreciate that you say that you're a proponent and, and a supporter of the, our base medical, like that, it's it's it's, it's an amazing are. thing that of, of what we're able to offer, but there are opportunities for people to be able to take their 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 health, uh, preventative health, and right treatments to to a different level. And I think that's where Exec Health comes into play. That's right. I think one of the challenges that we've got is that um, we have an aging population. Uh, we have limited resources in terms of number of doctors uh, and uh, and the amount that the provinces are, are able to reimburse them. And so uh, what we've, over the last several decades, I think we've fallen into a situation where, again, it's first you get sick and then you go see the doctor. And um, and uh, we've, I think, strayed away at a primary care level um, uh, from prevention. So, you know, when was the last time a family doctor had an hour to talk to someone about, um, you know, a teenager about sexual health or smoking and, and that kind of thing? Those are all prevent, uh, preventive things that, you know, uh, a 14-year-old's not going to listen to their parents about, but they, they may listen to their doctor about. But unfortunately, that that's sort of being bled out of the system. And there's no time for it. And there's no time for it. Mm-hmm. There's no time for it. And, uh, you know, uh, it's not all on the doctor's side. You know, people don't go to the doctor uh, themselves, you know, when they're when they're feeling well because uh, uh, there's certain barriers to entry. I mean, they don't want to wait in a waiting room for an hour and uh, to get 10 minutes with the doctor. Okay, so let's, let's take a healthy individual. Mm-hmm. Let's take a really healthy individual uh, who walks into your office and says, I feel good. I think I'm healthy, yeah. uh, but I want to see what, uh, but I realize that there's life ahead and there's yeah. illness. And so how do you start with these baseline tests? Let's go through what that first assessment would really be like, hopefully coming in with an individual that feels at the time that like sure. that they're doing well. Absolutely. So, you know, our process starts um, uh, a couple of days in advance of the appointment. So we have clients come into our clinic. We have them fill out a uh, a fairly lengthy uh, medical and lifestyle history questionnaire because it's not all about uh, uh, diagnostics and medical tests. You know, your family history it, uh, is a uh, big indicator on uh, on your future health. We do a full battery of blood work. Um, we okay. Yeah, hold on. Yeah. I'm gonna st- I'm gonna go- sure. I'm gonna itemize these. So this is a lengthy questionnaire. Eighteen pages. 
<laughs> so you need to be you need to be armed with some knowledge of understanding your family history a little bit. Well, asking questions. It's interesting. Your, yeah. yeah it's, what's interesting, uh, you know, I've been doing this a long time now, is that it's amazing to me how many people don't know their family medical history. And when you've got a document in front of you asking, you know, what did Uncle Joe die of, mm-hmm. you know, and what age did he die of? Uh, it uh, it actually begets conversations within the family in order to fill out these uh, these questionnaires. And uh, for many of our clients, it's the very first time they've documented their family history, and uh, it's uh, it's very powerful. It uh, it's an additional diagnostic tool for uh, for our doctors to use. I would think sometimes they're surprised. Of or, course, they're surprised. <laughs> you know, or then they see with, between generation from grandfather to father, you know, that there right. is a link or that they weren't maybe made aware of. Yeah. Well, oftentimes, people know that a family member died in their 40s, but they don't know whether it was cancer or heart disease. Mm-hmm. And especially with our, um, uh, you know, we're, we're a country of immigrants. You know, a lot of that uh, the history, uh, certainly in my case, I don't know my family history because it was lost when my parents came over and uh, there wasn't any way to, uh, to, uh, to retrieve it. Hmm. 18 pages. It goes pretty quick. Well, I, I know, I, I know, but I'm just, I'm thinking like be, you know, be open to the questions that you're going to be, you're going to be answering and be open to having that conversation with family because this is, it's generational. Absolutely. Okay. So that would be one of the first things that you do. That's okay. right. And it also lets lets the doctors uh, focus in on the most important parts of the, of the, you know, when the history is done in advance, it lets the doctors focus in on the important parts. Uh, the So we do the history, the blood work, uh, urinalysis, and then uh, we do all that in advance. So the doctors have got the information in hand at the time of the appointment. That way, if something's even approaching offside, they can have a meaningful discussion with the, the Okay, so before you're, they're actually coming into the office, though that questionnaire and that blood work is done. And in the doctor's hands. And in the doctor's hands. What can I ask through that blood work? How much are you testing? Like how, you know, oftentimes I see my doctor do like three check marks on this list. What, what check marks are going into this? Yeah, so we do, uh, you know... Um, it's it's very lengthy. We do everything from uh, cholesterol panels to iron to thyroid to glucose. So it's uh, everything we do is uh, is evidence based. So we don't do unnecessary testing. Uh, you know the uh, uh, but it's it's a pretty lengthy panel. It's okay. probably about twenty tests. I would think that that's coming through the blood. Yeah. So you have the questionnaire on the blood assessments done, uh, results in hand. So when you're first in that office. The doctor has already been able to look over the. They already the, have the a chart. sense of your, okay. your your issues or potential issues. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so then you you get in. Then you get in, yeah. and then uh, hopefully you've had a good breakfast because you're there for four hours, and uh, during the course of the four hours we uh, we uh, start uh, with. Uh, uh, an hour with our nurse who does uh, a number of diagnostic tests. So we test your hearing, your sight, your lung function, your heart, the circulation in your body. And so our whole intention is to pick up on small issues before they become uh, larger mm-hmm. problems. So that's the, uh, so there's a, um, a full hour of diagnostic testing. Then there's a, an hour with our physician. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So, but I'm just thinking I would have had to make an, an appointment for the eye doctor. Yeah. To look at, right. Like, so you're thinking about all of these different tests that you're doing, mm-hmm. hearing, site it's a one-stop um, shop really uh, right because you know sometimes you're having to go to the eye doctor and, and go do this so yeah. you have the, it's all on it's yeah for all, clarity yeah. we uh, yeah. we do eye testing uh but it doesn't replace uh a, you know a visit to optometrist every two years we don't we don't dilate the pupils for example so mm-hmm. the, so but those are part of the recommendations if someone hasn't seen an eye doctor uh in uh, in a couple of years, we would still recommend they go see it. Uh, yeah. So if you're filling out that questionnaire saying when was the That's last part time of the you saw an optometrist, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the recommendations from the doctor will be, all right, we need to get this uh, this more up to date. Okay, right. but it's part of the baseline testing of, of that first. That's right. Okay. So uh, 
we, we do a, a basic eye test where we look for color blindness and nearsightedness, farsightedness, but we will not uh, fit for a prescription for, uh, for glasses. That's uh, clearly in the realm of an optometrist. So, um, so we do the, uh, the diagnostic test and there's a, a, we book an hour that morning with a physician. So for most people, an hour is sufficient amount of time uh, for a physical exam and review of the results. But, uh, uh, but if it's not, then we would just book a follow-up appointment with that patient. We don't want time to be a constraint with these examinations. So, um, uh, so it's not unusual for us to, to book a follow-up, but we book an hour that morning in order to stay on time. So there's an hour with the nurse, an hour with the doctor. Then there's an hour with a, uh, our physiotherapist. Um, our physiotherapist looks at joint stability, range of motion, spine alignment, does a fitness test, both cardiovascular and strength that's uh, benchmarked to the client's age and gender. Okay, so you're bringing running shoes yep. and... Uh, so. You're on a treadmill, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, are you doing the... Uh, the, air, the um... VO2 max. Yeah. Now we do something called a suboptimal VO2 max. The VO2 max is uh, predominantly for athletes and usually done mm-hmm. in the university setting. So, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, most of our clients, uh, you know, typically aren't high performance athletes. <laughs> no, I no, but it's likely for them probably the first time that they're doing a test like this. Yeah, we had a client actually that um, that uh, you know, he's got a testimony on our website. It was a, quite a quite a story, but he uh, he'd had his uh, annual physical with his family doctor, who I've known for twenty years. Uh, terrific doctor, I'd hire mm-hmm. her in a second. But uh, and uh, we had just hire uh, signed up his company with this new benefit where they would send in their executives for these four hour assessments. So uh, clean bill of health three weeks earlier, he came in uh, to our clinic and uh, and uh, got up on the treadmill and his heart rate was not dropping. So um, so we uh, we arranged for him to go to the Ottawa Cardiovascular Center that uh, that afternoon. And uh, long story short, he went straight from us to triple bypass surgery. Two of his arteries were ninety seven and ninety eight percent blocked and. Uh, you know, but he had no overt symptoms. Uh, the family doctor had nothing, um, no reason to uh, to suspect that. And um, you know, uh, I was having a conversation with uh, one of the the cardiologists at the Heart Institute about you know what new technology could we bring on board uh, uh, at a primary care level. And uh, and uh, this guy's got a Scottish accent, and his Scottish accent said, you know, all the stuff they do in the states is crap. I think he was being a bit facetious. He said, you know, primarily it's risk management. And, um, and you know, he said, you've got heart disease. I've got heart disease. It's a matter of, you know, uh, managing those, uh, those aspects that we can manage, uh, you know, whether it's weight or cholesterol, that kind of thing. You had this patient come in to do this test. What would have happened had, had you not been able to put him through a little bit of exercise to realize that his heart rate wasn't dropping? Yeah. To realize you need to go to the doctor immediately. You know, it's like, a million dollar question. Right, he may very yeah. well have been one staircase away from you know disaster. It's scary. It is scary. Yeah. You know, my my dad died. At, he had just turned fifty seven the day before uh, of a massive heart attack out golfing, and you know, and it was one of those. And and it's it's it stayed with me as to I didn't know like there were you know. Yeah. You, when when could it have occurred? What what could we have done prior to? And it was it was interesting when I went through some of his stuff. I saw a lot of um, tums, and I, I think he just always thought he had he heartburn. heartburn. Yeah. And you and I and I look at like the packages of tums that were sitting there, kind of going, he might have had all these little little one like the symptoms, little like that. Signs, he, there yeah. were signs, you know. And and so you look at this individual who. I wish my dad had had the opportunity to go to the Heart Institute, you know, yeah. that one of those signs would have led us to that. But that he, that this gentleman, you know, in a split second, his life changed drastically yeah. from coming in to do this checkup to, to being there. So are most 
people able to get through like do they think they're in better shape when they get on that treadmill do they or, or sometimes are they surprised that the morning walks that they've been taking have been beneficial yeah like, what's the what's the reaction from people when they're faced with the reality of their health it's a good question it's it's very individual you know there um we have uh some lawyers at uh, a law firm that we do uh, do business with and they come in and it's a competition for that right <laughs> so they, they may imagine be, that they yeah. may be unhealthy for eight months of the year but uh, leading up to their physicals what they they book all around the same time they start getting in shape which i i wouldn't recommend <laughs> i would be we, we tell them you know this is a this is a long game it's 12 months yeah. a year but uh they are who they are and uh and so it, it really is individual it's a real wake-up call for some people i remember uh we had one gentleman and uh he came, he came in for his first physical uh, and a year later he walked in and he was quite literally half the man he used to be i mean i i didn't recognize him and uh, he said didn't make a, I just implemented the, the results of uh, the recommendations that you guys gave me a year ago. It was predominantly diet, you know, and a guy right. travels a lot, uh, in, eating in, out of airports and, uh, and, um, but he was highly motivated to, to do so. Others, you know, uh, others, uh, to be quite frank and honest, uh, will opt out of the dietitian year after year because they're just not willing to make that change. Are you able to take the guy who came in as half of himself saying, I, I, I took the recommendations and I did what I was supposed to do and kind of have him plastered all over we the office. Like, it's amazing the power of what happens when you have a motivated individual who that's looks right. at these results and, and can say, I can do better. And that's one thing I will say. Most of our clients, uh, you know, uh, they're paying a membership to be part of the clinic. And so they are invested in their health. So we kind of skew towards mm -hmm. people who uh, are there for a reason. You know, either they've got an existing medical issue that needs managed or is not uh, being managed ad adequately from, from their perspective. And I should say, uh, you know, uh, we oftentimes uh, will turn away patients because their family doctor is managing things perfectly and they're just looking for something that we can't provide them you know they mm -hmm. they are you know there's uh, there's no magic bullet uh, out there uh, and as I said most family doctors do a terrific job right and so um, but our clients are uh, first of all they're they're spending four hours out of the day and when you're if you're a lawyer and billing out at a certain amount of time, that's a, that's a significant uh, investment, uh, not only in time, but in, uh, in uh, you know, financially. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, so most of our clients are there for, are invested in their health. So it's, it's kind of a nice practice to have that from that perspective. How many years now has Exec Health been? We started in 2005. We, um, we started... Uh, doing uh, just the, uh, the the four hour assessments the comprehensive mm -hmm. health assessments uh, uh, primarily for companies and uh, and so from that organically uh, you know we'd, we'd have people saying that you know I get this great physical once a year but either I don't have a family doctor or you know I'm not getting great care um, yeah, those other 364 days of the year so from that grew our concierge practice and uh, and uh, so, uh, so what do you mean by the concierge practice? So it's a full scope uh, family practice, and uh, we last year hired the former chief of internal medicine from the Ottawa Hospital uh, to come on board to provide specialty care. And so, uh, it's it's a family practice with a slightly different model in the sense that, uh, generally speaking, uh, most family practices are are volume based. Uh, you know, their family doctors uh, typically will see. A patient every 10 minutes, uh, so six to eight patients an hour. Uh, I say six to eight patients an hour because I recently found out about a clinic that's now booking at seven minutes per appointment. Oh my God. And um, and and so, but 
but the incentive is for volume. Even with the new family health uh, teams, the doctors are uh, compensated on the size of their practice. So, you know, it's um, it's not unusual for physician to have 1,500 patients. I, have, I know of uh, at least two physicians that have 3,500 patients under their care. And so... Um, is it because they're that good or is it because... Like, how, how does one, an average around 1,500, which is still an, yeah. a big amount, and then that you can go up as high as 3,500, how can, you're, never, you're never getting in. This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They're a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally, as I've been using the Extension Marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into uncharted territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. Uh, How do you get in? Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question. I mean, the, uh, the, the new family health teams, family health organizations are on what's called a capitation system. So meaning that the doctors get a flat rate of roughly $110 per patient per year, regardless of how many visits. Now there's certain bonuses built in, et cetera, but that's sort of their, mm-hmm. their base. Okay. So again, the incentive is to have, um, uh, the larger the practice you have, the more income you're going to have. And then it's up to the, the individual clinic to manage that workflow. And, and so, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't yeah. run one of those organizations. So uh, I imagine it's, it's quite a challenge. At our clinic, we keep a ratio of one to 200. And um, and it's usually running less than uh, one to two hundred because when you guarantee your patients uh, same day appointments and being on time, uh, you know you can't you can't let get the practice get too full before you hire another doctor. Um, above and beyond that, you know medicine's becoming very uh, specialized. Well, when I say specialized, it's uh, you know, it's as I've said earlier, things that uh, knowledge is moving forward at a fast pace. Uh, fast fast pace. Uh, technology is moving forward as, at a fast pace. So, you know, I th- my personal view is that the days of the generalist are, are you know, long gone in mm-hmm. the sense that the physicians that we hire all have um, additional training. They're family doctors, but, you know, we have uh, fellowships in women's health and dermatology and integrative medicine, and uh, we have a travel medicine doctor. Any doctor can do travel medicine, but are they, in fact, a International Society of Travel Medicine doctor certified uh, physician that actually goes to the conferences? Right. So when you have these executives that are needing to travel for business ventures to yeah. these interesting places, there's someone even within the office Yes. That's able to say, okay, well, you're going to, you know, you're going here, you're in the new China, this. Africa, yeah. 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 India, a lot, lot going to India these days. Um, I asked you when you guys started because you said back in 2005, Five. right? So my thought when I asked that question was you've had people that came in with baseline testing done back in 2005, yes. right? So it's now been 13, 13 years. Have you seen or have you been have have you had opportunities where these baselines that you started with over the years we were able to monitor and see baselines changing and have then where the preventative side of things has been able to kick in to see that there's um you know things are going off the rail yeah yeah so the um we are we traditionally have uh, diagnosed um found undiagnosed issues in about 30% of the patients that come through. Some of them are minor, some of them are major, like the the gentleman that uh, had uh, needed mm-hmm. bypass surgery. And um, and uh, we we do track, uh, We each of our patients receives a, a report, year-over-year year, uh, report. And so we track things, and the, the more important part is that we, when they first come in, we have a baseline. And then once things start 
we haven't found the cure for aging yet. <laughs> so things eventually will start to mm-hmm. go off the rails. So, uh, so um, you know, it's our job to make sure that uh, once the numbers uh, start skewing a bit, that we take preventive action. There's some things that we can do, and there's some things that we can't okay. do. Right? What what can you do? Well, you know, the uh, the big ones for us are finding cancers early. You know, there are some, some cancers that are very slow moving uh, that if caught early, the prognosis is great. There's some cancers that are not. And, uh, you know, the uh, there's certain things, certain diseases that we just have no control over. But uh, a lot of uh, lifestyle modification, you know, managing cholesterol for um, uh, there's the there's the big and these, these questions are, uh, I should say, I'm not a physician, <laughs> so uh, not to be construed as medical advice, but, uh, you know, um, as a layperson, the, uh, we manage cholesterol, blood pressure is a big one in the sense that, they, you know, they call it the silent killer for a reason. You don't feel it, but, uh, you know, uh, it can lead to uh, cardi- cardiovascular disease. Um, you know, diabetes is another one. We, just a few weeks ago, we had a... Uh, a guy in his 30s that uh, we diagnosed with diabetes, a very unusual case, you know, and uh, not uh, uh, not type 1 diabetes, of course, but the, uh, and uh, everyone, including the physicians, were a little surprised that, uh, uh, that uh, uh, this young guy had diabetes. But when you're coming in at the age of 30 and you discover that you that you do and it probably it was not been being managed. Right. And, yeah. You know, so then you're giving this person a chance to mm-hmm. get on it much earlier than probably Absolutely. they would have so, thought to look at, into this. Yeah. So he will be much healthier for having had it mm-hmm. diagnosed early and and, uh, and treated appropriately. You know, you, you look at these. So then I ask you, if, you, if you're seeing these baselines and you're seeing a shift or as you were, you were talking about, um, you know, being able to diagnose cancers earlier, if, mm-hmm. what then happens? Is there access from within your yeah. organization to these specialists? Like how, how yeah. does this then benefit by yeah. being a member and being in, involved in this? It's, it's a great question. So the, um, uh, the the first part is early diagnosis, right? And so once uh, once we find something wrong, then we kick it into high gear uh, in the sense that uh, we we have um, staff, uh, our con- medical concierges that work to expedite surgeries, MRIs, specialist appointments. Uh, we don't have any preferential access, so there's no queue jumping. Uh, you know, we, uh, we can't bump someone from the MRI machine at the Ottawa Hospital. Uh, but like you, uh, your experience, uh, we can uh, we can arrange for MRI just in Gatineau. You know, um, and that's the, another interesting thing is that even within our our borders of Canada, there are private uh, there are mm-hmm. private options uh, right across the uh, across the board. So usually, usually then it would come at an additional cost, but at least yeah. you're, but you're. But okay. we are quarterbacking is what mm-hmm. we're doing, you know, and uh, by keeping a small practice size, we've got the shelf space to go to bat for our, for our clients. So, you know, we first try to expedite through the public system uh, and, you know, anyone can do it either for themselves or their physician, if they had more time, uh, could could do it. And that means like calling multiple specialists, calling multiple facilities, looking for cancellations, that kind of thing. And so that's the concierge part of it. And if we can't expedite through the public system, then we've, we're set up on the, on the private side, whether it's uh, in another province or another country even. Okay. I'm going to just, I'm going to get to this question because I want people sure. to realize when you're, when you're talking about this, this sounds, oh my gosh, I want in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, what, what is a cost like typically and and there are not many organizations there are some but yeah. what would be the cost because i think you had mentioned like you work with companies and this is almost like an executive help yeah. right like it can it can almost be part of their bonus structure or yeah. you know their incentive programs to come to this company and we offer you this like 
realistically, what is the cost for something like this? It's it's interesting you say that because that's the way we started was with companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but over the last five years, our the majority of our growth has just been individuals uh, signing up. So uh, it used to be executive health, just executives, right. but now yeah. it's uh, it, it's quite a cross section. And the cost uh, the co- the cost of the comprehensive health assessment is fifteen ninety five. Um, none of it's charged to OHIP, and so all, that includes all the blood work, et cetera. Um, the, uh, our ongoing care program, which includes the annual physical, is $3,200 a year, so, Three, $300 a month. Okay, so there's a, there's a, it's almost like a monthly. It's like almost if you look at it like a monthly membership. And Correct. Then, okay, but this month, monthly membership then gets you in for getting in to see a doctor. Like what, what comes with that then? So uh, includes your uh, preventive health exam. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we see each one of our clients. Well, we can't make them come in, but <laughs> we book them in every uh, every year for their preventive uh, health exam. And then what includes is guaranteed same day uh, or next day appointments. You know, if someone mm-hmm. calls at five o'clock in the afternoon, it might be tough to get them in. But generally, uh, it's same day appointments. We're always on time. So we never keep people waiting for an hour in the waiting room. But more importantly, by keeping the small practice size, we free up the doctors to spend as much time with each patient as is required. So, you know, um, uh, if someone's got a mul- uh, multiple issues, there isn't a sign that says one issue per visit. Uh, uh, if someone's got a mental health issue and needs uh, an hour with the doctor, we've got a number of patients that it just says on their chart, book one hour for each visit. Um, uh, there's access to the concierge service. Uh, you know, um, uh, There's telephone consultations. Uh, uh, and then above and beyond that, uh, which is not included in the uh, in the fee, is that we've got um, uh, uh, other medical staff. Because again, medicine's getting much more uh, complicated, and so we've got on-site physiotherapists, dietitians. We have a Harvard PhD psychologist who's fantastic, um, you know, and uh, and so that's a new me- addition. That's a new. That is that is a new addition. <laughs> I, I know addition. It's a fantastic addition. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. she's been great, yeah. and. Uh, and you know what's interesting is that um, uh, being in the clinic in my office is where I see these people talking to each other in the hallway, and I think that's another uh, challenge in the public system is it's very siloed. So when you go see your physiotherapist, are they having a conversation with your family doctor, and are they collaborating? And generally speaking, I would say no. I won't say it doesn't happen, but uh, it's not happening for every patient. Whereas uh, you know our physiotherapist will walk down the hall, talk to the doctor, and say you know such so and so's got this knee problem. Are you planning on starting an NSAID or or uh, you know I think probably we should try this manipulation first that kind of thing how many then are on staff like how many doctors um are are on site like how many people do you have working in this environment yeah so we've got uh, currently five doctors uh, five family doctors uh, one internal medicine specialist uh, uh two physiotherapists three dietitians and a psychologist mm-hmm. and uh, the support staff behind them as well right the ones that are doing those phone calls in that concierge. The ones that are doing the heavy lifting, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. You know, when I when you think about when you listed what, what's being done, there's some heavy lifters behind the scenes that, yeah, that are getting it. a lot of elbow grease. Uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I'm actually, I when you look at it like $300 a month, it, it's, it's much more digestible. Well, I had Am one... I allowed to say that? You know, li- like, because I'm saying for some people, they'll be able to afford this. For other people, um, you know... There's ways, and hopefully you're listening to this on on how to kind of beat the system a little bit, and and kind of following up on cancellations and making yeah. calls to, to to a number of different you know clinics. But it's not as bad as I anticipated. We had one. I probably shouldn't say this, but I had one client uh, say she spends more on her hair and nails in a month. 
<laughs> well, I'm thinking there's a there's a, a bit of that. Like yeah. I was actually expecting when you were listening all this for it to be an astronomical number that I was gonna yeah kind of go. I get okay, that most a lot. people most people you know you hear exact you hear comprehensive you know you you start to kind of back away a little bit. Sure. But when you did think about that, like you know. Yeah, we had to... Hair, nail, you know, or anything else. It's yeah. like, where are you making your investment? If you're investing in the personal trainer and you're investing in all of these other things that, yeah. you know, the, the preventative side of things, of really being on top of your health, this is a wise investment. And that was part of the plan always, was trying to make it as accessible as possible while still, you know, being able to, to turn on the lights. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, you know, I had a, um, one of our clients is a, a business owner that uh, moved up from the States and uh, he was paying $25,000 a year just in premiums. Uh, and with, uh, the, with their health insurance in the States. With the health insurance yeah. in the States. And, uh, and he was urging me to raise my prices because as a, you know, as a business owner, he's looking at the dollars and cents, but we never really set this up to, to maximize the the uh, the dollars. I mean, we really are in it to take care of people, and so uh, yeah, could we raise our prices? Probably, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, do we want to? No. So, there's some people I think right now that are kind of making a checklist, going, okay, can we can we figure this out? Can we make this work? Especially mm -hmm. to to understand that it's not just now available for high end executives at these big companies who are offering this out. That it's the general public has access. And is it better when you see a family? You know, like I'm looking at it now and I have, you know, Andy's, yeah. we're starting to have women issues, right? Like, do, is it is it best that that still family, family concept is it, important? Absolutely, it is. And um, and I saw on your, on your web, you have teen programs and stuff. Like, if you look at the website, it's a part of your breakdown. It is. And we've got, uh, you know, teen mental health right now is a big thing uh, for us. We've got a lot, uh, especially with uh, Dr. Siegel coming on uh, as a psychologist. It's it's amazing how many kids are struggling. I and mean, you and I, are, uh, uh, prior to the podcast, we're talking about social media and uh, it's tougher being a kid. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, we... Um, uh, we actually don't charge for kids under the age of 25 if the adults and if the parents or adults enroll in the practice. And so it's, um, as, as I like that's to a bit under 25. Yeah. I thought you were going to say like under 12 yeah. when the kids come in. Like that's a big, it's a big gift right there. Uh, well, you know, I what? won't say that we're inexpensive. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's expensive to run a kind of business that, uh, that we run. So, uh, you know, um, but the, um, but you're right. The, uh, uh, taking care of the family unit is so much more fulfilling for us in the sense that, so you get insights into, uh, that help you with, uh, with each family member, because although there's confidentially, uh, confidentiality mm -hmm. amongst family members, it helps you provide better care when you know what's happening with the, with the whole. And the nice thing is that as I tell my staff, uh, you know, we've, our clinic, uh, in, you know, medicine typically in Canada is set up on a transactional basis. You know, it's, uh, it's sort of get them in, get them out. We need to see six patients an hour, that kind of thing. And you better have that card with you when you, and you better in. have that card. <laughs> you better have that card. <laughs> yeah. For us, uh, I, I tell my staff almost on a weekly basis that, you know, we are in a relationship business and we want to develop these long-term relationships with clients. We, um, and, uh, and, and being, having been in business for 14 years now, we've seen some of these kids grow and they're, they're off to university and they call us and they mm -hmm. talk to the doctors on the, on the telephone uh, you know we've managed uh, an eating disorder out uh, at a university out east uh, that that from our perspective we didn't feel like uh, was being handled appropriately by the the on the on-campus medical mm -hmm. clinic that uh, just wasn't set up to do that so you know it's a lot of elbow grease but you know we we feel emotionally invested with our clients 
Right. And you've seen this child, right? Like it's, it's grow up. Yeah. Right. You know, and, but and, that's and not different probably, than any yeah. family doctor, uh, quite frankly. Yeah. yeah. If you've seen someone grow up, you, you want to do best by them. No, absolutely. Gosh, I still, I, I, I still go and hug my family, my, my pediatrician. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, there's a relationship that's, that's definitely established there. Okay. I want to, I want to twist this on you a little bit. I hope you don't mind, but you, you know, for some people, I think there's a deep consideration like this is is an investment worthwhile. There are there are and large population people can't afford this, right? We're, sure. we're lucky here uh, that we have what we do have that we can go in and have babies and have surgeries and be able to walk in and not be left with a, a massive phone uh, phone bill uh, with a massive uh, medical bill. What tips can you offer mm-hmm. for people who are fighting the system, are trying to get an appointment, are trying to do things? What would you suggest to them as to their best? strategy to help them maneuver the system so there's there's a couple things one of them is getting back to what i said earlier most family doctors are there to take care of their patients and uh you know are very conscientious they're they're well trained so uh, most people are in good hands you know they are Mm -hmm. in good hands Having said that, the family doctors face a lot of pressures, and mostly time pressures. And so to, uh, one thing is uh, you do have to be your own advocate in the system, uh, absolutely. And so as much as uh, most doctors malign Dr. Google, you know, it, uh, we're, in an, an infor- we're in an information age where you can go and educate yourself and, uh, and have a, you know, a meaningful conversation with your doctor while you're in there. And then, you know, it's if you're completely out to lunch in terms of what you think is going on, they're they're the expert. They can tell you, uh, you know, there's probably a better modality. We don't need to do an MRI. We can do an ultrasound or, you know, I think this is what it is. And, uh, you know, you're the consumer of uh, – you're, you are the consumer. You're the client. Uh, you know, sometimes we defer to, to doctors. And again, uh, medicine is getting much more complicated. So I wouldn't assume that the physician uh, has the has the answer right away. Don't be afraid to ask the questions. And if you or the physician are unsure, it's not unreasonable to ask for a, um, a, a referral to a specialist. And okay. That, go ahead. You just said that. And now I'm going to say, and then in six months, you'll right. get in. So, so I'll give you a little tip. Okay. <laughs> so there are, um, uh, whether it's uh, a specialist or a, um, or, or imaging such as ultrasound, mm-hmm. uh, MRI, there are ways to get things done uh, more quickly. It takes a bit of elbow grease. So I would ask the family physician for a copy of the referral. The family physician will make the referral anyways to whom, uh, whom they, uh, right. they feel would be appropriate. But um, there's nothing preventing you from calling other specialists, whether it's a gastroenterologist or endocrinologist, and asking if they've got cancellations. Uh, and with the, uh, with the uh, referral in hand, you can just fax it over or, or bring it with you. They, uh, the specialists do need the referral. So that's one thing that you can do for yourself is sh- you know, do your own legwork. Your family doctor will not have time to do that for you. And they will be more than happy to, if you found a better appointment, to, to either fax over the referral, but it's, it's a lot easier. It's good to have it in your hand. Have it so- in your hand. As you're leaving, knowing that you have a referral in the works, that the, yeah. the, have a copy of it and have it on, on Absolutely. Hand. If okay. you're willing to do the uh, the legwork. Uh, you know, ultrasounds there in, in this city, there's a number of ultrasound clinics you can go to. So if Maribel Medical Imaging is having uh, you know, mm-hmm. a lengthy wait time, sound care uh, may may have a cancellation tomorrow. So that that's something that you can do for yourself. That's something we have our staff do on behalf mm-hmm. of our clients, but it's absolutely something you can do yourself. Um, the... Uh, the other thing is that um, uh, look at your look at your caregiver, and this, this is not just physicians. Look at your care, caregivers' uh, credentials. You know, um, are they the right person to uh, to 
to diagnose and or treat what what ails you, you know, and, and so, you know, uh, as I said earlier, any, um, any physician can kind of look up the CDC website, uh, for, uh, you know, what vaccines you need to go to the Dominican Republic. But if you're going somewhere a bit more exotic, you know, I would go to a proper travel medicine mm-hmm. clinic and pick, pick the right provider. Um, above and beyond that, we find with a lot of our clients, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, they're going to a lot more naturopathic doctors, chiropractors, you know, alternative uh, mm-hmm. ther- therapies, and there's quite a wide range of uh, quality out there. So do your due diligence. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, if uh, if you can get a referral from someone who's been there before. You know, I'm not a big fan of online uh, rating systems uh, in the sense that it's um, you know most doctors will have terrible rating systems because it's only the people that are that are dissatisfied that typically go on, go on the on these websites. But you know, try to do some due diligence. Uh, you know, do you know the difference between a registered dietitian and a nutritionist? You know, which is the uh, the best for you? Yeah, th- those are all things. Again, you've got to be your own advocate and uh, take responsibility. There's difference in degrees in schooling, and you know, the, absolutely. Uh, I've had a number of naturopathic doctors uh, mm-hmm. on, and I've had um, Kent McLeod from Nutrichem on the kind of mm-hmm. deprescribing. Yeah. Uh, I, I find it's so interesting. Maybe yeah. it's just because I'm fascinated by it, right? It is interesting. Um, of, of how people can view their health and, mm-hmm. and the changes that they can make, and so many different perspectives yeah. of how to uh, approach medicine. Absolutely. Like, one one yeah. of the things that, and this is more of a um, a, a personal editorial, if you will. But uh, you know, one thing I um, I find uh, is a bit of a red flag is if uh, someone's recommending something to you and also selling it to you. That uh, you know, that's something that uh, that we we don't do. I mean, if so, if one of our doctors is going to recommend omega three fish oils or vitamin D, we won't be selling it to our clients. So you know, just be a savvy consumer and be. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being forceful as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you agree with a lot of the um, the intake though that you know you can do the blood test and you're iron deficient and you're like that there are there are sometimes it's not as complicated as people think it is as to what might be ailing them Absolutely. and and there are ways to be able to yeah. to fix the situation we you know uh, yeah I'm not a medical doctor but I, I've seen people's lives turned around because they've been diagnosed with uh, hypothyroidism and it's a simple medication that they're on and they're uh, you know they're the medication you know it completely changes their lives absolutely mm-hmm. it can be simple absolutely sometimes it can be really simple uh, the other things that I noticed uh, through you uh, I guess maybe because we live in Ottawa, we live in the nation's capital, but you have a lot of uh, traveling diplomats. You have a lot of people that are coming in from different areas mm-hmm. who, this is a new introduction to the system, right? But yeah. who are living here, who have families. Uh, that has to have been an interesting part of it. Yeah, that actually happened uh, organically. We never really uh, approached the dip- diplomatic community and they uh, they found out about us and and approached us about taking care of their, um, their uh, staff and you know, <clears throat> as a Canadian that's been, or an Ontarian has been living in the province their entire life, if you don't have a family doctor, it's hard to find a family doctor. Uh, so imagine being a diplomat that's posted here for four years and uh, coming with your entire family. So that's, uh, it's something that we've, uh, yeah, we've, we've embraced and uh, we've kind of scaled up and it's, it's fascinating. What I find most fascinating is talking to them about the, uh, their medical system. Yeah, I was going to say like, yeah, like and, how, 
crazy stories do you have? Like, and you know, the the I've got a lot of crazy stories, of course, <laughs> but uh, can't share them with you. But uh, the uh, the more fascinating thing is is how well regarded Canada is as a brand, if you will, or as a country. And so again, we get um, we get down on our medical system and our doctors, but they they really mm-hmm. are world class. And so hearing some of the stories from other countries, even even seemingly developed countries, you know, we, we don't have it too bad here. Yeah, they probably come and experience it. And, yeah, and then they send and their they, families to us. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it's a very different experience. So we've become a destination them. here uh, mm-hmm. for international medical tourism, which again is, uh, <laughs> which is kind of uh, counterintuitive. Yeah, absolutely. When you when you when you think about it, um, plastic surgery, all that kind of stuff. That is, I'm shaking my head, but you're saying yes. Is that sorry? I'm not. I'm not. I, like, is it is that part uh, of the cosmetic? The ob- mm-hmm. What's the word I'm looking for? The optional kind of things. Yeah. Is that something that you stress or that's really not the, the main So we're, we aspect? are, yeah, so we're pre- predominantly a med- medical clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we don't do any, any cosmetics, uh, but, uh, you know, our clients count on us uh, uh, for referrals and making sure that uh, they're going to uh, uh, the best people in town. I mean, whether it's cosmetics or shoulder surgery, mm-hmm. there's probably only a couple of shoulder surgeons that I would want personally operating on my uh uh, on me if it was it was my shoulder and so and there's other surgeries that you know it doesn't really matter who who uh, operates so yeah we we take great care in and uh, who we uh, who we refer to is it just is it, based on relationships is it based on success like you you know it's mostly, how does one get a reputation of being just that good yeah it's a bit that you got to get in to see this doctor yeah, it's uh, it's a good question. So it's uh, for us, it's never relationship; it's all reputation. Uh, and so uh, we will because there are some great doctors with horrible bedside manners. Yeah, right. So it's not and necessarily those are the ones you still want not yeah. on you. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, I you say do. That... They're just good at what they do. Yeah. So yes, yeah, we. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's absolutely true <laughs> what what you're saying. But you know if. Um, the question is, why are you going there? Are you going there because uh, he or she is a top heart surgeon, but they, you know, got the mouth of a sailor? I'm okay. I could live with that. You know, you know if uh, if you're going for cosmetics and or you know, even cosmetics, there's good and bad out there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. But for you, it's based on reputation, the work, not the relationship. It de- definitely not the relationship. Mm-hmm. We we never. Uh, uh, we once a patient signs up at Exact Health, we will always do what's in their best interest financially, medically, you know, personally. Uh, so our job is to take care of our clients. So we um, uh, we we will not refer to uh, many physicians. No, I shouldn't say many. There's some physicians we will not refer to uh, uh, only because there's better ones out there. Mm-hmm. It's really politically well stated. <laughs> Did, I, did we say that right? Uh, in some cases, it doesn't matter though, right? I mean, if you're going for something uh, uh, fairly standard, mm-hmm. then, and then we'll look for the, the quicker appointment, but we'll give the patients uh, the option saying, you know, if you really want you know, this top surgeon, the, the wait time's going to be 18 months and there's nothing we can do about it, or you know, here's the two or three other options. Mm-hmm. But there's that reality right there. It could be 18 months. It could be 18 months. And it months. doesn't matter if you're in the system or an it just it just is that is the reality that yeah. we face we can control what we do within our four walls mm-hmm. so we can guarantee our clients same day appointments but we can't control you know what's happening uh, you know out in you know, the public is it, system is it that we need 
what, where's your solution for that? Do we need more doctors? Do we need to entice more doctors to stay We have more doctors than we? we're using, believe it or not. So there, uh, I was approached maybe a year ago by a, um, a, uh, a gynecological oncologist. Yeah, you know, Canadian-trained, Canadian-born, Canadian-trained, and uh, was moving to Ottawa uh, to, um, uh, because her partner's here. And, uh, and, uh, and she can't work because there's no OR time. And uh, actually, the ORs are empty, but there, there isn't uh, funding for, uh, for her to go in and do, uh, do, do surgery. And so a good doctor. Good doctor. Trained, wanting to take licensed. on patients. Licensed, available. Isn't, Just happened to be move, a move of destination. Mm-hmm. And there's a number of people ahead of her that will get OR time before she will. So, But the OR is there. The OR is there. With its equipment. Nurses waiting on the sidelines. And we can't get in. Because, again, driven by provincial budgets in the sense that there's only so many surgeries per uh, per year that that will be funded. So there's a urologist that's traveling to Cornwall that uh, uh, can only find OR time to work in Cornwall. And so they're picking up the scraps kind of thing until somebody retires or, you know, moves, moves on. That's, it's interesting, though, because I always thought it was maybe a lack of doctors or a lack of doctors wanting to stay within our borders, but that not isn't necessarily Depends on the specialty. The I'm talking yeah. surgery here right. particularly. Right, but there are good people, There's good people with the availability to do it, and yet yeah. that's where the government system yeah. is. On the primary care office. side, I think there is a shortage. Yeah. Uh, I don't have the like numbers. An, an our, but... Like we, we were joking, it's hard to find a family doctor mm-hmm. if, you, yeah. if, you don't, if you haven't been born into it, right? That's right. Um, but, on the, but on that other side... Yeah, I think it's a dirty little secret that uh, we don't talk about no, too much. Uh, and I'd read, uh, I'd read several months ago that uh, you know some of these ORs are being used for cosmetic surgery as well because uh, even though they've they've got surgeons that are um, that are able and available to do the uh, do the uh, necessary surgeries, the funding had run out, and so the ORs. so now the ones that the ORs are being used by those that are just paying yeah. clients for cosmetic optional, cosmetic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's a large proportion, but, uh, but there was an article exists. in the National Post about that. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting well, because again, it gets back to our original uh, uh, conversation around you know um, uh, we have a great system, but we have limitations in mm-hmm. what we can afford to do. So, what happens then if you have more people coming in and you wanted to keep it at the one to two hundred? You know. How does your business? How does your business structure then work? Because I think as time progresses and people become more aware of having to be their own, mm-hmm. they've got to be their own force. I think, yeah. and that's what we I think we're trying to educate people on is yeah. you really do have to take control of your own health and the preventative health aspect. Can you continue to grow? Are there going to be more more services like this popping up? Realizing that this is where possibly the system is going. Absolutely. Well, I think that I think there uh, would be, and there already has been. But the um, for us, it's uh, we we can continue to grow. I mean, we're we're, kind of, we're an attractive place to work for mm-hmm. a family doctor in the sense that uh, we uh, you know uh, the volume is lower, the quality of interaction is better. So you know, if, as I said, we we book a minimum thirty minutes for uh, just a regular primary care appointment. I mean, you can barely say hello and how's how's the family before ten yeah. minutes is up, right? And so. Um, but if someone needs an hour, we book an hour, you know, and so that, that's nice. They don't have the time constraint on them. 
you know, we book off time for paperwork. We allow them to eat lunch, <laughs> you know, bathroom breaks, things that the most family doctors which, which don't I'm have. looking at with one doctor that you mentioned was in every seven minutes. Yeah. I'm like, they're not eating. They're not going to the bathroom. Like you, clinic, you yeah. think you, you think about and you feel for them, too, because they're trying to do their best and have and be the best doctor they can be. Absolutely and yet this is are. the circumstance that they're under. I thought this was really interesting. And I do appreciate you kind of giving tips for people to be able to kind of take some of those medical charts and medical yeah. history and appointments and figure out a way that they're able to do some of that themselves as well. Uh, where can people find more information? I did the website's got a lot. There's a lot of different programs and assessments and things that are available, but definitely something that people are, I think, opening up their mind to what really is actually out there. And so exec health is the best way. Just go to the website, look for some information. I think that's the best. Yeah. yeah. Great chatting. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Some, Thank you for the invitation. No, it's a, yeah, I'm, I think I'm becoming more fascinated as, as the world is opening up a little bit more to me. I'm realizing how many programs are really out there and what is available to people if they just actually listen and open up their mind to taking responsibility. Absolutely. Yeah. That starts, starts at home. Yeah. And I like the guy that came in, had his assessment and came in then a year later and was a different person. It was, uh, oh, yeah, it was, those are great stories. Yeah. Those are really great stories. Uh, as always, too, um, if you're liking the stories here, if you're enjoying the podcast, did I mention? I think we reached Qatar. So hello to whoever you are from Qatar who is now listening. It's been so much fun uh, seeing just how it's crossing oceans and the places that this podcast is getting to. Uh, if you like it, please tell people, subscribe, uh, share it. It's really great to see this podcast growing. And that's it. That is a wrap on episode 32 of Living Your Life. Sanjay, thank you so much. And we'll see you back here next week, everyone. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Leanne. That was fun. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.